Hello, dear friend, and welcome. My name is Cynthia Alice Anderson, and I'm the owner and founder of the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. I have been so honored to be able to offer these programs several days a week, and these programs I know are inspiring, they are supporting, and they are uplifting your life's journey. I want to see that continue, and I honor you for being a part of making that happen. So for over five years, we've been able to offer these programs, and we want to continue to be able to offer them. So over the next 90 days, we are raising $9,000, and that's going to get us all the way through the end of the year. So I ask you to consider taking the time to support the channel that supports you. And again, our goal that we're asking you to be a part of is $9,000 in 90 days. And we look forward to hearing from you, friend. We're honored to support your journey. And we always are lifting you in prayer for God's highest and best in your life. Blessings on the journey, dear friend. And I look forward to seeing you very soon. Welcome to Healing Your Family Legacy, here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. Innovative, evidence-based recovery that helps to identify intergenerational trauma, allowing for freedom and embracement of the healing process. Today, Episode 91, Shared Trauma and Resiliency, Part 2. And now your host, Dr. Donna Bevanley. This is Dr. Donna Bevanley helping you heal your family legacy. And welcome back. Last time I was talking about uh, shared trauma when people go through uh, natural disasters. Uh, there's also shootings and everything else, but we've talked about that. And, you know, one of the things about a natural disaster is that we we can actually do something about this if we're willing um you know all of the most of the scientists let's say 90% of them in the world right now recognize that we are in a position of global of uh, climate change and that if we don't act soon we will pass the point of no return now one of the things that you know, in my mind, and maybe I have a feeble mind, but in my mind, one of the things about the future is that we can't predict it. All right. So we don't know how this will actually affect us. We've been discovering how it can affect us, like the hor horrendous hurricanes that have been sailing through here. And when we just went through, I say we because I'm part of this, uh, this, you know, shared trauma. Um, I didn't, did not experience it personally, but I felt horrified and sad and, you know, did what I could to help the situation. Um, but, you know, we have, we have forest fires out here that started, you know, every year they start earlier and earlier. And sometimes when people get up in the morning, they look to see what the weather is going to be like. We get up in the morning and see what our air quality is going to be like, whether or not we can go outside, 
whether or not we can open the door safely. Because it gets purple very, very often. Purple is the most dangerous. Don't go outside. Don't breathe this air. And, you know, we, because I'm a resilient person, first time this happened, I went, okay, staying in the house, looking out my windows, and the only thing I can see is soot, and it's dark, and it looks like hell happened here, and, you know, the sun is, like, redder than blood. It's like, okay, this can't work in the long term. So, I went out, and, you know, I was able to get a, what we call an air cleaner installed. I got you know, two of those kinds. One is, you know, it's like a laser that cleans the air. And the other one was a filter, you know, a filtered thing that also filters the air besides cleaning the air. And uh, so that year, no vacations <laughs> because, you know, those aren't cheap. But since then, you can't smell that smoke in our house. You don't know it's there until you look outside or you walk outside to get the paper and you get hit with smoke. Now, you know, I thought, well, this is really awful. And for about almost three weeks, we couldn't go outside. I mean, even if we had to go somewhere to a doctor's appointment, it was pretty awful. I mean, I'll close all the vents and, you know, we have a garage, so... I'll run to the car, open the garage, quick, quick, close the garage because we don't want it going in the house. I mean, we have our own natural disasters here. The fires, as of today, the big fire that's been going since July is still going. And this morning, our air quality was, you know, too bad for sensitive groups, which means you can go outside if you don't have lung problems, if you don't, if you're not immune suppressed. Okay. It's like you have to weigh that every day. And I discovered that just by the way, this is part of my resilience, right? I must go to the mountains sometimes. That's why I live in the mountains. That's where I grew up in the mountains. I must go to the mountains. So one day, even when it was really, really the the smoke was there. You couldn't see anything. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face, practically. But I got in my car, truck, and I drove up into the mountains. And when I got up to the mountains where I wanted to be, it was clear. Because there is a temperature inversion that happens, at, especially at this time of the year, where all the smoke gets caught on the ground, and the higher up you go, the clearer it is. But, the resiliency part is, gee, I have to evaluate this now because this is horrible. <laughs> to feel like I'm living in hell is a horrible thing. And uh, I, you know, it's like I was, I worried a little bit about, um, is my house going to burn down? You know, we, we have a thing here in my town my little city, it's like we have a thing where 
when houses get built, they have to be built in a way that is as fire resistant as possible because we have pine trees everywhere, like a lot of places that are in the mountains. We have pine trees. We have, uh, you know, grasses grow wild. And then, you know, in the spring, they're beautiful, but they dry out in about July or August. And then they become tinder and kindling for fires. So, you know, I thought, okay, well, I really like it here and I'd like to stay here. So I have to do everything I can to make this a better, you know, to make it a better opportunity for me to A, live through these fires because they're not going away. And B, to make sure that, you know, to do everything I can to uh, make sure that my house isn't one of the ones that burns down if a fire races down this hill that we live on. And we live in the city, so in the city limits. It's like I don't live up in the mountains. <laughs> like to, but it would be uh, not a good idea for someone who's my age to live that far away. I mean, a lot of people do. I get that. But I've decided I'd really rather live closer to town so that I don't get stuck someplace and can't get where I need to get get to. Anyway, so I you know, installed water, the uh, air cleaner, installed the, the, put the thing on the furnace and the air conditioning, filters it all, and we can be in our house and not cough and our eyes don't burn. And first, first though, it was awful. You can't keep smoke out of a house. You can't. We tried. We put we put uh, talk towels by the doors. We put, you know, any possible area we tried to cover up. And guess what? Smoke gets in the house. Now, when smoke gets in the house, it turns into air, which is much better. But we could have also made the decision, and, you know, we considered this, we need to live somewhere where there's no forest fires every single summer. So we thought about that and decided that, you know, I don't need to tell you all the things, but I think this is a sign of resiliency to me, right? Like, wow, this is not good. This is unpleasant. And so we looked at where else we could live and we realized that no matter where we go, no matter where we go, climate change is happening. And no matter, you know, how smart you think you are and no matter how brilliant the scientists are, the only thing they can tell us is that climate change is here. We're not really sure how it's going to affect everything. But we know that, you know, seasons that we used to experience are probably going to be disrupted. You know, things we took for granted, like snowfall that would, you know, give a whole city water for a year. That might be disrupted. Hurricanes will get stronger. Tornadoes will get stronger and they'll land in places that didn't they didn't land before. So we decided that, gee, no matter where we go, there we are. And we're right in the middle of it. No matter where we go, 
we are going to experience the impact of climate change. I don't know how that will play out. We're seeing it now. So I don't know what it'll be like this winter or this next summer. I know one thing. I'm sitting here, you know, at about 4,000 feet where I live, uh, up a hill. We, one of the reasons I wanted to live here is because we had beautiful fall colors. Guess what? It's still 80 degrees or more. I think, what do I think that's a fluke? I guess we'll have to see. But I've lived here long enough to know that by now we should be 70. Every day we should be 70 or below. Here's the weird part is that our lows, 32 degrees around there, it's still, the lows are still the low that is expected for this time of year. So when we aren't dealing with, you know, it's like, because no matter what we do, the sun's going to come up, the sun's going to go down. So as soon as the sun goes down here, the temperature plummets. <laughs> and so we'll start out at 32 or 34 degrees in the morning, and by the afternoon, we're at 82. That doesn't sound right to me, and it sure doesn't feel right. But so, you know, being aware of it, is part of the way you solve the problem for yourself. So there's two levels, right? When you're dealing with resiliency and shared trauma. Because this is, trust me, you know, if ever there, the things that I've said, they're absolutely true. Don't hurt your children and don't rob them of potential learning opportunities. Uh, and the other thing is that climate change is here. We are now experiencing a trauma in the world that is not, okay, so yes, we have wars. Yes, we have issues around, you know, well, you name it, political fights going on that are pretty much something we've never seen in my lifetime anyway. But the starvation is part of climate change. People's houses getting swept into the ocean, part of climate change. These freaking fires that won't stop burning, part of climate change. And we're all in this trauma together. There is nowhere to go that you will, that you'll avoid this. Nowhere to go. I mean, in your neighborhood, okay, when you get 10 inches of rain, say, here, if we got 10 inches of rain, it'd be pretty disastrous because we don't get that much rain. But if we got it, we're not used to it. We don't, you know, we do have some things to, you know, I mean, we have sewer systems and all that. But I don't know if we could really manage that because if 10 inches of rain came down everywhere around here, I don't know where it would go. It would probably go out in the desert. <laughs> there, it would probably create you know, flash flooding. <laughs> and there, there are ways, right? But, you know, we, we do plan for things that are likely to occur. Kind of like Florida with hurricanes. I dare say that if you live in Florida, 
You have to think about that. Just like I had to think about, okay, fires. You have hurricanes. We have these monstrous forest fires that can't be put out until it finally starts snowing. So people who have the most resilience are the ones facing the facts, the facts, the scientific evidence, and saying, what can I do for myself to keep myself safe? But the other piece, from a larger perspective, like from the whole population of the world, is what can we do to deal with the overall issue? And it feels pretty overwhelming, I got to tell you. Sometimes I think about that and I have to quick hurry back to my own little space and say, okay, here's what I've, here's what I've done to protect myself. I don't have, you know, I make sure that my grasses that grow, and they're not lawns, okay? They're just wild grasses. As soon as they die, they're chopped down to the bottom. And they stay chopped down to the bottom. And, you know, I talked to our homeowners association. I said, you need to get that juniper tree out of here. Juniper trees, by the way, they're pretty, but they they literally drink 25 gallons of water a day, which isn't good in the desert. Okay? So I said, you need to get that juniper out of here right now and give a little more water to that ponderosa that is trying to kill, right? Because ponderosas are kind of fire resistant unless they're next to, say, a juniper tree (laughs) that is not fire resistant. So, you know, put the smoke things in the house, make sure that I've got some space around the house and that, that doesn't burn. Of course, if there's a big forest fire that comes whipping down this hill, I guess I just need to figure out how I'm going to survive it. Because the one thing I don't think that you can do is have your roof be resistant. You know, a lot of people's houses that burn in these things are because embers and ashes and everything are just like flying everywhere and they land on people's roofs. I'm really not sure how to resist do a resistance of that but if it's that big of a fire it's kind of like you know if you're in florida and a hurricane comes through let's say a level two everybody everybody in its path is dealing with some wind and wind damage some water damage and all that but you know their houses are still there and so you have you know a couple levels where you take care of this but what you know the bigger bigger issue is is that resilient people have had enough experience in their lives or they've had to problem-solve difficult situations and they've come through them. It doesn't mean that they, you know, it's like, say, a rape victim. So if you're a woman and you're small and some guy decides he's going to rape you, unless you've got training and you know, jujitsu or, you know, you carry a weapon or whatever and you know how to use it so it's not going to get used on you. I mean, it's like you try, you fight. And if you live through it, you 
You know, if you're, you know, that is the time you can learn resilience. It's like, how am I going to get through this? Am I going to never go outside again? Oh, so let's say I happened in bed in my home. Am I not going to sleep in that bed ever again? Am I going to just be on the couch? Am I going to sleep with one eye open? That's called post-traumatic stress. If I want to develop resilience, I'm probably going to need some help sometimes. And that's where people like me have come into the picture. And, you know, right now, right now in the world of mental health, you hear trauma and you hear resilience almost every time used together. Because it's true. Without trauma, you don't really, you know, get that resilience piece going. And it doesn't have to be a major life trauma. Okay. It can be. Oh, gee, you know, you were really, really trying so hard to get into that university or that college and you just didn't get in. So rather than going back to mom and dad and crying to them about it and saying that something was unfair and they didn't do the fair thing. And it was like, just can I just be bold here and say, just shut the hell up. (laughs) We don't want to hear how unfair it is. I have said this before. And if you really stop and think about it, fair is something you go to in the fall and ride rides and eat really bad food. That's what it is. It doesn't exist in life. Things aren't fair. So what does a person do? They could either, you know, it's like, okay, they can calm up and say, What do I need to do to get into this college or university and then do it? Or they can try another university or another college. One thing I have discovered as I have gone along in my life, nobody except curious people ever asked me where I went to college. It just matters to them that I went and I graduated. And then I went to graduate school and I graduated. Okay. It's like, they're not, they don't care if I went to Oxford. I'm not, I'm never going to be on a TV show. And those are the only people that ever talk about going to Oxford. So people on who go on TV shows. Okay. I'll never be that person. I probably will never be, you know, the secretary of state. Okay. It's like, I could probably do some of the same kind of problem solving that they do, but they're not going to ask me about it. And I'll never ask where I went to college. And you know what? I bet most people can't say. All right. So, so then you say, okay, well, let me think about that. How many people actually, you know, it's like I had up in my office, I had all my degrees and finally decided. I don't need all those degrees. I'd rather have a nice photograph or a nice picture there. A nice, you know, picture of a mountain, say, there. Makes me feel better. So that's what you do. You don't whine and complain and talk about how things aren't fair. You go into problem-solving mode. That's what adults do. And I'm not saying you don't have emotions. You might 
feel like somebody's ripped your heart out. You might feel like, oh my God, the world's going to end and I'm going to, and it hurts so much or I'm so angry or now I'm really afraid. When, when I saw that smoke, let's just say, when I saw smoke for three weeks that made the sun red, blood red, that you choked on in your own house, and where once in a while an ember or ash or something come flying in, you know, I guess I could have said, gee, this isn't fair. I don't live in the mountains. Nice. It's like I could have done that and just, you know, whined and complained about it. What I said was that, you know, I'm kind of terrified right now. <laughs> this is a little horrifying to me. I guess I better figure out what to do about it. That's what resilience looks like. You don't just like barge in and do the very first thing. You know, we were on the internet looking up options. What do people do? We asked neighbors, you know, and we got the answers that actually worked for us. Now, if it ever comes barreling down when everybody's just trying to figure out what they're going to take, we've got, you know, if they need to leave, that's what probably what we'd try and do if it came barreling down is that we have <laughs> we have a plan that we've actually exercised and we could we have timed ourselves we could be out of here with everything we needed and wanted in about four minutes which is pretty remarkable for a couple of old women <laughs> but it's called Solving the problem. And we have a big problem right now. It's called climate change. And, you know, I don't know what we're going to need. But for those of us who have resilience now in our own selves, we're thinking about this. We're not denying it. We aren't whining about it and saying oh well you know it's those bad baby boomers they drove cars okay whatever we're not blaming it on anybody we're saying wow there's a lot of people on this planet a lot of cars a lot of factories a lot of ways that we're burning our planet up what can we do you know we like i said for those of us who have resilience we say Okay, you know, it's kind of scary, but what can I do individually? And then what can I do as a part of our society? And, you know, if you want to know how to build resilience, <laughs> for an adult, what is required is that you stand and you say, I'm an adult, this is my age, here are my feelings, and what can I do to make my situation better? Or what can I do to make this situation better? You know, for the hurricane victims, do I, am I going to rebuild or am I going to leave? Make the decision based in your adult reality. And even though a crisis, you know, I always say, try not to make these decisions in a crisis, life decisions in a crisis. Sometimes it's 
necessary. <laughs> um, but if you can just like hold off and say, okay, I want to make this decision from the neck up in this thing called the brain and not just react. Now, part of, part of not reacting means that I know that I have emotions. I might be afraid. I might be angry. I might feel pain. And I sure don't know what the, what the future is going to be. So that's, you know, that I think is really relevant to today. And it also carries over from all of the discussions that I've had about um, childhood trauma. So I'll let you think about it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healing Your Family Legacy here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. This channel is made possible because of listeners just like you. If you would like to support the channel with your tax-deductible contribution on an ongoing basis or through a one-time gift, head over to experienceofthesoul.com support. Healing Your Family Legacy is copyright 2022, Dr. Donna Bevanley, all rights reserved. Our theme music is composed by Dave Croft and used with permission. The Experience of the Soul podcast channel is a production of 818 Studios.